0: My name is Jared Manning. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Bible. I have the privilege of opening the Word um, before this body about once a month. And so it's my privilege this morning to get to open the Word with you. We're going to be in James 1 if you want to begin to turn there. Uh, At this time we're going to release our kids to go to uh, children's worship. Miss Michelle has a Grace Kids sign. You can follow her. We will be in the book of James, all the little pitter-patter feet, and half the room is gone. Um, As Josh mentioned earlier, today is Orphan Care Sunday. Around the globe, people are celebrating this day, talking about how we, as the body of Christ, can care for the fatherless and, um, and the orphans among us. Um, and so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be in James 1. I'm going to take a break from the series I've been in. If you've been here with us for a while, I've been talking, um, walking us through a series called The King is Coming. How we live today in light of the fact that our King Has still to come. And reconcile and redeem this world finally and fully. But This uh, week, we will be in James 1. We're going to begin in verse 19. Today's sermon is titled, The Gospel Undefiled. The Gospel undefiled. James 1 verse 19. Read with me. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word. and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your word has the power to change us. God, that you can make dead men live. That you can make stone hearts into flesh. We praise you for this miracle of grace that you have given to so many in this room. God, but we pray that you would help us now. That you would guide us. That you would teach us. And that you would mold us into the image of your son as we learn from your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, James concludes this section of his letter by urging his readers to act upon their faith. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, he is calling us to do the same. Here at the end of chapter 1, he is kind of summarizing um, this idea that, that those who are in Christ will be doers. That they will work out their faith. Now, Martin Luther, if you are familiar with Martin Luther, he was a reformer in the 1500s of the church at the time. He went against the Catholic Church and argued that justification was by faith alone, in Christ alone, that it wasn't works of the law that would get us um, into the body of Christ wasn't by works, but only by faith. He called James a book of straw. <laughs> now, he went a little far because he didn't like this language that James uses, right? Because James says, I will know your faith by your works. Essentially, James is making the argument that we don't, we don't come to, to Christ by our works, but once we have come to Christ through faith, there will be works that follow that faith. And so here he concludes in this, this portion of his letter, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word. Not somebody who can just recite definitions of theological terms. Be doers of the word. Not just people who know a lot of facts about our Bibles. I've been convicted over the last few weeks about... um, And this is something I've been wrestling with probably for, for well over a year now. That we may be a people that learn past our obedience... We like knowledge. We like to soak things in. I like knowledge. I like to know the Bible. I like to know theology. I enjoy studying the things of God. But if it just becomes a practice of study and learning and me being able to spit things out at you. But it's not changing me, it's not changing my character, it's not changing who I am, how I live, how I relate to people, how I love my wife, how I love my brothers and sisters in the body. If, if something's not changing and I'm not becoming more and more like Christ as life progresses, then I am simply being a hearer of the word. I'm not a doer of the word and that's what James is concerned about for his brothers and sisters is that they're simply hearing that they're they're studying they know some things and they may be able to have really deep theological discussions but when that person cuts them off in traffic they're quick to throw language or a finger When somebody treats them the way they don't think they should be treated or they deserve to be treated, they get angry, they grow bitter. See, are we letting the word transform us or are we just filling our heads with information? The Bible is the only book that you can read that will also read you. You. It will show you your faults. It will show you your sin. And oftentimes we avoid this when we have problems with our attitude, with our sin. We don't want to get into the Word because it's going to expose some things. But what if we were people who were doers of the Word and not hearers only? Look at verse 22 because if you are a doer of the word or if you if you're not if you're just hearing verse 22 James says you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You think you're a Christian because you know a lot of theological terms because you can spit out some systematic theology because you know what transdispensationalism is. I've got this down, bro. I can tell you the difference between Calvinism and Arminianism. I know all the points. Just because you think you know something, James says, you're deceiving yourself. If you're not a doer of the word. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror and looks at himself and then goes away and once forgets what he was like. You take a look at the word. It exposes sin in your life. You walk away from it and do nothing about the sin that was just exposed. Scripture points out a problem that you have and you close this book and walk away as if nothing is wrong. You're not a doer. You're just a hearer. But, verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, he's getting a little personal here, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And then he sums this portion up by saying this, verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James essentially says you know what it is to be a doer and not just a hearer? You know what it means to be a doer of the word? It's to care for orphans. It's to care for widows and it's to keep yourself unstained from the world. That's it. That's the summary of what it is to be a doer of this faith. He doesn't leave us to wonder or to guess what types of things Christians should be doing. He spells it out. Now, a lot of people will will claim, "Well, Jared, you're going to the social gospel. Isn't this just a social gospel? We care for the poor." We try to lift them up. We try to do justice ministry and mercy ministry and all these different things. Isn't that just a social gospel? Well, it can be if, if we make it about just doing those things. But in reality, our gospel saves society. It is meant to redeem society. We are here as the church. As people of this gospel. To change the world. Care for orphans and widows. James makes it clear. To be a Christian means to care for orphans and widows. I believe this passage has implications for us to help all of the most weak and vulnerable in our society. But at the least, it is calling us specifically to care for orphans and for widows. If we are unwilling to care for orphans, we do not believe the gospel that we proclaim hear me. If we are unwilling to care for orphans, we do not believe the gospel we proclaim. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you've never even thought about orphan care. Seven years ago, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, and I sat in Highview Baptist Church's sanctuary on a Sunday morning and that morning, there was a family in our church who had adopted three brothers and sisters from the Philippines. And they, they brought them up and they welcomed them to the church. And that morning, they announced that that church body had adopted over 150 children from 49 different countries that were in that sanctuary that morning. And I had never thought about orphan care in my life. And I listened as the pastor explained that this is what we're called to as believers. We are called to care for the fatherless. And as I began to think on these things, I was convicted that we are called as believers to care for orphans and for widows. It's a picture of the heart of God. If we don't care for orphans, we don't understand the heart of God. You might be here this morning and you're like me. You, you've never even given it a thought. You may never have heard that it's our responsibility as believers to care for orphans. This may be new to you. So don't hear me say that I don't think you believe the gospel because you haven't adopted a child. That's not what I'm saying this morning. And that's not what I will say throughout the time together this morning. What I'm saying is if you know this, if you understand what God is calling us to in James 1, and all throughout scriptures, we'll see in a minute, and you are unwilling to do anything about it, then you don't believe the gospel that we proclaim. See, this is not just a New Testament Christian idea. This starts in the very beginning and goes all through scripture. That God is calling the fatherless to himself and he cares for orphans. So, we're going to go on a journey this morning. And so I hope you have your Bible. And if you've never done Bible drills, get ready because that's where we're going. All right, Turn to Exodus chapter 22. Exodus, the second book in your Bible. We'll begin there, and we're just going to kind of walk through the Old Testament and see what God has to say about orphans. Exodus 22, beginning in verse 22. Read through verse 24. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me. I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword. And your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. Think he takes it seriously? Just a little. This is strong language. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. And if you do, I'm gonna kill your family. I'm gonna kill you. And make your children fatherless and make your wife a widow. Continuing on, Deuteronomy ten. Next book over, or two books. Three. I'm I'm struggling this morning. I need to work on my math. Theology is okay. Math not so great. Yeah, yeah, I got my wife. She's the math person. I went to Bible college. No math required. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 10.8. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. And loves the sojourner. Giving him food and clothing. Deuteronomy 14. It's a couple of pages over. 14 verse 28. I'm doing this on purpose. I'm not putting the, the verses on the screen on purpose. Because I want you to see this in your Bible. How many times God talks about the fatherless, the orphans. Deuteronomy 14, 28. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. You're to bring out your tithe every three years and let all these other people feast on it. People who have not earned it, people who have done nothing to deserve it. You're going to let them feast on your tithe. This is how much I the Lord your God care about the fatherless and the sojourner. And people who are outside of Israel. I want them to eat of your tithe. Then Deuteronomy 24. Deuteronomy 24 verse 17. You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment and pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. God is commanding his people to take care of the sojourner, the orphan, and the widows. Don't take all of your crop up and gather it up for yourself. Leave some. Leave some. Give out of your abundance to these people. God is calling his people, Israel, and us today to do the same. Don't hoard everything you have for yourself. Give out of your abundance to the fatherless, to the widow, to the sojourner. Deuteronomy 26, 12. Deuteronomy 26.12 When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled. Deuteronomy 27.19 Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner the fatherless and the widow are you getting the idea that God really cares about these people about the sojourners these are illegal immigrants we'd probably refer to them today people that don't belong in the eyes of society and God constantly says take care of them Feed them. The sojourner, the fatherless, the orphan, and the widow. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to them. Then Job's, a friend, Job's friends accused him of sinning against God. Saying this in Job 22.9. You have sent widows away empty. And the arms of the fatherless were crushed. Job's friends even as wrong as they may have been, as they accused Job of sin, and that's why all these bad things were happening to him, they recognized that it was a sin against God to mistreat widows and to mistreat orphans. Then we move to Psalms. Psalm 10. Turn with me there. As much as you're flipping, I'm skipping some. Okay? Okay? Psalm 10 verse 14. If you're there say "Uh Uh uh-huh. Okay. But you do see for you know mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. The psalmist says of God. Psalm 68 5. Father of the fatherless protector of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Psalm 146.9. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Isaiah 1.17. Learn to do what is good. Seek justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. It's Isaiah 1.17. Jeremiah 22.3 thus says the lord do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien the fatherless and the widow nor shed innocent blood in this place and hosea 14:3 assyria shall not save us we will not ride on horses and we will say no more our god to the work of our hands in you Speaking to the Lord, the orphan finds mercy. Hosea 14:3. There are approximately 45 references to the fatherless and the orphans in the Old Testament. And almost every one of them speaks to the responsibility of God's people to care for orphans. And then there are a few times where it speaks to God's care for the fatherless. Like in Hosea 14.3. And you the orphan finds mercy. He is a father to the fatherless. Then we come to the New Testament and we have Jesus say this to to put a punctuation mark on this idea of caring for orphans. Jesus finally says John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Speaking of his disciples. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. John 14, 18. The care of orphans is heavy on our Father's heart. He has not left us as orphans, but He has pursued us. And has made us His children. So, what are we to do? We're here on Orphan Sunday. Churches around the globe are talking about caring for orphans today. What this means for the church. And over the last few years, we've seen a sweeping change in the United States as to the church caring for orphans. Christians across the country have stepped up and have adopted, have fostered, have gotten involved in orphanages and caring for fatherless children, in student programs, whatever it is, the church is beginning to see our responsibility to love as God has loved. First, we love orphans because we are loved by God. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. We love and care for orphans because God has first loved us. While we were enemies of God. He sent his son to die for us. There was nothing about us that was attractive or pleasant or good. There is none good, not even one. Paul quotes the Psalms in Romans 3. There's none good, not even one. There's nothing good about you or desirable about you. You weren't just real cute and so God wanted to bring you into his family. <laughs> so those cute little cheeks. Yes, that's one of my children. I really like those Ethiopians. So I'm going to get some of those. They're real cute. No. No, we were enemies of God. We shook our fist at God. But he loved us anyway. We love Orphans, because we are loved by God. We defend the fatherless because God is our defense. Satan stands before God day and night accusing the saints. Saying, did you see what he did? He doesn't love you. He just likes the stuff you give him. Satan stands accusing us. And Christ comes to our defense and says, No, I bought and paid for that one. You can't accuse him. He's covered in my righteousness. She's got my righteousness. I am her defense. And at that, Satan is silenced. We defend these fatherless because God is our defense in Christ. We pursue because we have been pursued. Galatians 4, 3 through 7. In the same way we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elemental forces of the world. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We pursue orphans because God pursued us when we were fatherless. We weren't seeking after God. We weren't searching for God. We were enemies of God. We were rebels. We enjoyed our sin. Our choices were about us. And he chased us down. And captured our heart. He sent his son to redeem us. From the curse of the law. But he didn't simply break this curse of sin. He could have just done away with the sin problem and left us on our own. He doesn't do that. He makes us his sons and daughters. He makes us his sons and daughters, meaning we now have the inheritance. Of a king. We share in the inheritance. Of Christ. All that God has. We have. He pursued us. We pursue orphans. Because we have been pursued. And we adopt. Because we have been adopted by God. We adopt. Because we have been adopted by God It's one of those beautiful pictures of the gospel that we have in our world marriage and adoption adoption seeing a child who has been abandoned who has been mistreated abused who may have a rebellious streak See, we, we like to adopt little babies. It, it's usually easier to adopt a little baby, right? Then, then they grow up in our home, never knowing any different. They may not have some behavioral patterns that have already been created in them that are, that are not so great, right? We, we think, well, if I can, if I can adopt an infant, that, that'll be the easy road. But maybe God's not calling you to the easy road. Maybe God's calling you to adopt somebody like you. a rebel, an enemy of God. He pursued you even when you shook your fist at him and said you didn't want to be pursued. Maybe he's calling us to adopt children that aren't so easy to love. But we're called to them anyway. We're called to them anyway. Now what often happens in a service like this. When we're talking about orphan care and adoption and foster care. Is everybody thinks, oh man if I'm going to follow Christ I've got to adopt a child. It's not what I'm saying. Don't hear me say that. Adoption is not what God is calling everybody in this room to. Foster care is not what God is calling everyone in this room to. But caring for orphans is what God is calling everyone in this room to do. And that may look different for different people in this congregation. Right now it's become a fad almost in the Christian world to adopt. Like it's cool. Right? Like I went to seminary and most of the people I knew were in the process of adopting and that was a cool thing to do. Right? Don't adopt because it's the cool thing to do. Okay, I'm sure Rachel and Ryan Fornoy would be happy to talk to you about about adoption and that process. And and it's not something you want to go into just because it's the cool thing to do. Right, Rachel? Um, It is a hard process. If God has not called your family to adopt, don't do it. You will be doing a disservice to the child and to yourself and to the kingdom. One of my professors in Louisville has eight children. And, and five of those children were adopted. And I believe all of them, maybe maybe three out of the five that are adopted, um, came to he and his wife because a couple had decided to adopt and got the child into their home and had them for a few weeks and decided they didn't want them anymore. They'd adopted because either they thought it was cool or their church had celebrated Orphan Sunday and and thought that was what they needed to do to care for orphans. Um, And then they got this child, most of the time it was special needs children, into their home and decided that was too hard. And they didn't want them anymore. And so um, Dr. Stinson was close with the, the social services worker in the area and she would call them and say, listen... I have this little boy who's been here with this family for six weeks and his parents don't want him. Um, would, would you take him? Well, of course, we'll take him. And so that's how they got many of their children. So what I'm saying today is don't hear me say you must adopt to care for orphans. That, that is not the goal this morning. So what are some practical ways that we can care for orphans? Maybe you're not in a situation to adopt. Maybe that's not what God's calling you to. Maybe you're not in a situation where you can foster children. That's not what the Lord is calling you to. There are some of you that are called to do that. And I would encourage you in that area to do those things that God has called you to. But but maybe that's not you. First... And foremost, you can proclaim the gospel. There are spiritual orphans living all around us. Many people will take this sermon today as a call to care for little babies with no parents. And while that is great, and that is ultimately what we're talking about this morning, we have a responsibility to care for spiritual orphans that live next door to us, that work with us, that we meet in the grocery store, that are our neighbors in this community. We are called to care for those spiritual orphans by calling them to a father who loves them and who will care for them. So proclaim the gospel. Number two, be hospitable. Be hospitable. Maybe your children go to school with kids that have no real family. Invite those kids over for dinner with yours. Engage them. Talk to them about their lives. Show them love and compassion. Share the gospel with them. Make them a part of your family to the best of your ability. There are children around our community who may have a mom and a dad in the home. But they're absent. In their kid's life. Maybe God's calling you to just care for some students you know. Maybe you have your friends. Or your kids have friends at school. That you know. You know what we should probably invite him over for dinner with us one night. Maybe we should invite her to a, a play date with us one day. And just show her what being part of a loving family looks like. And make her a part of ours. Be hospitable. Be hospitable. Number three, help with an after school program. True Life Ministries runs Belay. Which is a program for students at Brazosport High School on Wednesday mornings. They're always needing volunteers. Many of these guys don't have a father in the home. Work with that program. That's one way you can care for orphans. Volunteer there. Help there. Sponsor a child. Many of you probably see the commercials on television for child sponsorships. Um, so I'm just going to throw one out there that I, that I trust, which is Compassion International. We sponsor a compassion child, Sarah and I do. Um, and I, and I trust Compassion. I know their, their goal is the gospel to these kids. It's not just a social program. It's not just let's help you get a job and never tell you about Jesus. Um, this, is, this is a program that's based on giving these children the gospel. And so that's one way you can care for orphans. It's like 30 bucks a month. And you can help this child get through school, be fed, be clothed, get clean water, Sponsor a child. Get involved in foster care. Get involved in foster care. Ben and Kaylin Kraft are going through the process. I think they're done y'all are done with the with the certification side of it. Um and they're just waiting to be placed with with kids. Um they've done the foster care certification. If you're interested in foster care, Ben and Kalen, I'm sure we'll be glad to talk to you about it. Um, Arrow Ministries in Angleton is a ministry that we have uh, used and that Ben and Kalen went through to get the certification done. Um, If there are enough people in our body that are interested, I've been told by the leaders there, that they will come here to our building and do a class here and talk about what, what it means to foster, what all that looks like, what the process looks like. Um, and so uh, I'm going to actually have a sign-up sheet in the lobby this morning after uh, the service with, with just a place for your name and your email address. If you're interested in just hearing about foster care, doesn't mean you want to do it, Um, The first meeting that we went to last year after this Sunday, there was a Tuesday night um, meeting at Arrow Ministries. And a few of us from from Grace went and showed up to this meeting. And they they essentially just explained what foster care looks like. And and really it was a a commercial against doing foster care almost. Because they don't want people who are half-hearted about it. They don't want people coming in and saying, yeah, we'll foster. And they get into the process and they get kids in their home and they can't handle it. Uh, and so they are going to be open and honest and tell you all of the pitfalls to it, all the hard things that you may go through, but they're also going to share with you stories of families who have adopted kids through the foster care process or who have just loved kids at a very important time in their life and walked with them through some pain and trials and saw those kids placed back with their, with their families. So, maybe you can foster. Lastly, you can pursue adoption. You can pursue adoption. Lifeline Children's Services. Um... Is, is an adoption agency that operates in the United States. It is Christian-run, very gospel-centered. Um, I have a friend that works for Lifeline. Rachel and Ryan are using Lifeline children's services. Rachel said they've been extremely helpful in their process, telling them down to the, to the penny almost what everything's going to cost along the way so they are not surprised by things um, and having to scramble for money. Um, Lifeline is a great uh, resource um, and, and probably in the spring we're going to share Rachel and Ryan's story with you all about their adoption process. I know many of you are probably following Rachel's Facebook page and see the updates as they go through this process and, and read about that, but we want to hear from them about this process and, and we always want to be about encouraging those who feel called to adopt to do that and to help in any way we can. So if, if you're interested in that at all we want to know about that and we want to know how we can help you. As a church body one of the ways we can care for orphans is coming alongside our brothers and sisters who are in the process of adoption or who are doing foster care or whatever it is and encourage them and love on them give to support um, the costs that go along with those things that may be the way God is calling you to care for orphans to give Rachel and Ryan money to bring me a home or to helping Ben and Kaylin as they bring children into their home to loving these kids as they come through our doors here Spending time with them. Having them spend time with your kids. Whatever it is that God is calling you to. I want you to know he has called you to care for orphans. So for many of us that's going to look different. But we need to be figuring out how it is that we're going to care for orphans. Because we were orphans. And now we are sons and daughters of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, but you sent your son to die for us, that you have called us into your family, that you pursued us, you have made us your children. God, and there are some here this morning who are not your children. God, they're still enemies. They are still orphans. They are without a father. Spiritually, they are dead. God, I pray they would see the grace and mercy offered in Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. That you have conquered sin and death. And by faith in Christ, We can know you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray.